Do you love making movies as hard and you want to listen to more episodes? Jump over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash MMIH and you can listen to the entire back catalog of episodes for just $1.99 a month. That's an additional 300 episodes that aren't on iTunes that you can listen to whenever you please. But without any more blibber blabber, back to the show. You know, making movies is hard. Making movies is hard. Welcome. This is the podcast about the struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Brussel, the founding host of the podcast, and I'm a sci-fi horror filmmaker, and my first feature film, The Alternate, is out now on digital, DVD, and Tubi. I'm Liz Manisha. I'm a writer, director, producer who has made two features, Bread and Butter and Speed of Life, and I'm currently in development on, on more, on other movies. I'm a distribution consultant who does sales, and I used to manage Sundance's creative distribution initiative. On this Thursday throwback episode, we're going to play our interview with Rebecca Weaver, from way back from episode 103 that aired on May 22nd, 2017. I thought this was a really good pairing for Don's episode because Rebecca actually made her first feature with a tiny two-person crew on a very tiny budget of $11,000. And Don in the interview mentions multiple times how she wished she had gone with a smaller crew and done it in a smaller way and not had like a 25-person crew. So this isn't quite what Don was talking about. I think she was thinking more like 8 to 10 or something like that. But I thought this was like a good, good contrast to show that you can make a movie with a really, really small amount of people and it can turn out well and, and be successful. After that, we play another round of You're the Expert. But first... Don't forget to check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash podcast. That's where you can go to support the show on Patreon to become one of our, our supporters, our patrons. You'll get access to the whole back catalog of the show where you can listen to the full episode with Rebecca Weaver, not just the interview itself. So you get Timothy and I's chit chatter and, you know, thoughts on the, on the discussion before and after. This is also an episode with Timothy, which like people who listen to the show now are like, who the hell is that? Timothy is the first co-host of the show. Uh, he did 182 episodes w- with me before I was on my own for about 30, 40 episodes until I found Liz and Liz has been here for fucking like 200 episodes now. So that's amazing. A long time. Yeah. It's just the beginning. This is never going to end. We'll be doing this until we're 80. Not to scare you. Anyways. <laughs> but without any further bibble babble, here's our throwback interview with Rebecca Weaver. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so I just said like pretty much every role on the entire movie. What what do you consider yourself? Because I feel like you're all over on the uh, credits. Do you, do you consider yourself an actor, a director, like? Who are you? I know, right? Uh, <laughs> I kind of just say filmmaker, and then they're like, oh, what does that mean? And then it's like, well, yeah. you know. <laughs> I guess it kind of depends on, like, the circumstances, too. I think that I'm primarily strongest as a writer. Um, I feel most comfortable doing that. It's funny because I'm, like, hesitant to call myself an actor right away, which is probably <laughs> in need of its own, like, therapy session. But it's like, I don't know. I feel like I don't really like to be just like, hey, I'm an actor. I don't know. It's it's so I just say filmmaker. I We obviously don't know each other. I just I only know you over Twitter. I know. Twitter. And my my feeling is when I your presence on Twitter is more as an actress mm. is what I thought. Oh, that's so funny. And I, I kind of just assumed that you were an actress that was, <laughs> that ended up making your own film because you were fresh. This is just the story I built in my head. You were frustrated <laughs> because you weren't getting the roles you wanted or you, things weren't happening. And you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to go make my own movie. Well, I mean, I guess you could say that there's some truth to that. Um, I do pursue acting and I do act in things. 
And that's the main thing that I'm looking for work for in LA. I'm not like going out and looking for directing jobs. Like I really only want to direct my own stuff that I write. Um, and I'm not going out looking for writing jobs, so that might change. Um, so it's like really, it is more like auditioning in LA is what I'm doing. But yeah, it's funny though, because I kind of feel like I haven't really pursued acting that hard. <laughs> like it's really, it, it's something that I've stopped and started with just because I think it's just kind of frustrating. And and certainly like, you know, not getting roles and stuff is is difficult and that's and that's just everybody's life with acting is just constant right. rejection. I I also think it's I don't know. It, it, the thing with filmmaking is this it's something that like I've uh, like avoiding and being drawn back to over and over again. Like it's like I did <laughs> not want to be directing. Like I have said that throughout my life, especially with doing theater and stuff like a long time ago like in high school and college, I would look at the director and be like, I don't want to direct. I don't want to direct this too much on my shoulders. Like, I don't want to. I want to write. I'd love to write plays. I'd love to write screenplays. And I'd love to act in those. And someone else can take care of everything and put everything else on their shoulders. That's so funny. That's the opposite of what I feel like Ulrich and I want. Ulrich yeah. and I <laughs> would love for somebody else to write our stuff, but uh, we end up having to write our own stuff because we just don't know anyone else. So oh my it, god. Is it why are you directing your own stuff if the ideal is to write it and then have somebody else direct it? Yeah, well, I don't know. I I, I seem to want to direct even though it's hard. <laughs> like, I can't seem to stop myself. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. Well, it's like when you write it, you see it. Yeah. So right. it's like, I know exactly how this should feel. And I know exactly how the moment should happen between the two characters. I know exactly how many beats I feel like, you know, belong in a moment. And I know what music I want to be in the movie. And I know, you know, it just like everything. It's like I picture it while I'm writing it. You sound it's like a, really a director to experience. me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm stuck with this. Ugh, I'm yeah. like resisting it. But at the same time, knowing what you want and actually being able to execute it are two different things, right? It's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, do you feel like you can execute hard. what you what you set out to do? <laughs> In general, or like with June? <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's go both. Let's start with in general, and then tell us about June. I would say in general, actually, yeah, I feel I feel good about it. Um, I feel. I mean, obviously, like I just made my first, as you've seen, like crazy indie movie. Like it's crazy, tiny, and like. It was a whole learning process with June Falling Down. But I certainly felt before making it, like, I know how to make this movie. I have very specific ideas of how everything should happen, of of the colors, of the scenery, of different shots. Like, so that said, I, I, I think about this sometimes because you guys talk about wanting to direct, to direct other people's scripts. I really don't want to do that. I, or I, I would... Like, I would, like, sometimes I look at, if you know the director, like, Lynn Shelton, she's kind of, like, came out of the mumblecore kind of stuff, but not not exactly. She did, like, some movies with Mark Duplass, like, Your Sister's Sister and, like, Hump mm-hmm. Day. And mm. anyway, she, like, she lives in Seattle, by the way, speaking of people who don't live in L.A. Ah, cool, um, cool. She, yeah, she lives in, in Seattle. I don't think she's ever, like, like full-time lived in um, in L.A. at all. 
But, um, but yeah, she goes, she like does her little indie movies and then she goes and she directs TV shows sometimes. So she's done some of like Mark Maron's IFC show and things like that. So I'm like, I could totally see going in and directing a show, but I would rather for a feature, I'd rather write it. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's a personal thing for you. It's really personal for, for sure. Like it's. It, and it's funny because I'm writing a script right now where I was like, okay, I would love for someone else to direct this. You know, when I started writing it, I'd love for someone else to direct this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have a role I'm writing. Like, I would like to play this role in it. It's like more of a supporting character. And I just get deeper and deeper into it. And I'm like, no, I really, <laughs> I really want to direct this. I can see it. I can see exactly how it should happen. I'm already starting to put my dream cast in there and like I'm taking it over. <laughs> do, do you think that'll always happen though with like everything that you write that as you get more invested mm. with it and more involved in the writing process that you'll just start to see it in your head and and feel like really engaged with it in that way and feel that you ha- that you have to do it or is it, is it has it has that ever not <sighs> happened to you I guess is my question. I don't think it's ever not happened. <laughs> I think I always get too into it. <laughs> I think I always like start getting controlled, you know, controlling about it. But like, I don't know. I'd be open to it happening someday. I, you know, I've the only time I've really experienced that is like I did like um a short play, like literally just like a stage reading, and it was like a ten minute play, and like to hand it over to a director to these actors and to watch them take my script and and start to put these moments in where I'm like, oh, that moment wasn't really in there the way I wanted it to be. That's it's hard. It's hard. I really give screenwriters a lot of credit, you know, when they hand over their stuff. But Yeah, um, the only only way I can justify it, I feel, is if you're a screenwriter, you just know that you don't have the skills or the personality to be a director or it's absolutely. just it's not the thing that you're interested in. You're more interested in in sitting in front of a computer and, and crafting a story from a blank page than you are putting together a shoot and being on set every day. It's just it's got to be like a personality thing. And we haven't had a bunch of writers on here that are just ex- exclusively writers. In fact, have yeah. we had any screenwriters on here before? Um, not only screenwriters, no. They're always filmmakers. Yeah. They're always filmmakers. We should probably have some screenwriters on and ask them, why don't you just make your own stuff? Because, yeah, I guess we, we don't understand it either. I think it, there's this, like, impetus. But don't you guys think the collaboration of, of working with a writer or uh, some other creative force is, like, part of what makes the movie magic happen because if if you're controlling yeah. every stage from writing to directing <laughs> to editing to whatever i feel like you know at some point it's going to get i don't know like i like i think that there's a there's a benefit that could be had from having you know some other creative voices you know within you know ha- sharing the vision with you you know and and helping form the 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 piece um you know cause that's what i hunger for you know yeah definitely with with Re- in rebecca's case i feel like there's definitely some room for trying to work with the director because not only are you just writing and directing that's like a a whole other thing but you're also starring in your own film and we'll get to that later Mm -hmm. i want to talk to you a whole bunch about what it's like to direct yourself as an actor or be an actor in the scene and then also be directing 
Um, and it would be interesting to hear like what your experience would be if you worked with the director as the writer and the actor. And maybe that's just not possible if you're if you're writing it and it's too personal. But there might be an opportunity there to to get more out of the experience and like Ulrich is saying to collaborate. Oh yeah. Yeah, look, this situation that I'm in is not one that I want to stay in <laughs> where I do everything. <laughs> well, let's see. Who's a director that you that you admire that you're you if they said, I, Rebecca, I want to direct your script and you're gonna star in it, who would be the person that you would trust? Oh my god. Um, I mean it depends on what the script would be. Like I have one right now, uh, that I'm writing. Uh, I really like am admiring lately uh, Jean-Marc Vallée, who did like um, he did Dallas Buyers Club and Wild, and he did mm. Big Little Lies on HBO right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm even like looking at his style for directing this next movie. Um, but <laughs> if he want to direct it, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there you go. So I would hand it over. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. about trust is what, what I'm hearing. You know, you want to be able to trust the person that they can get your story and that you, yeah. you know, like their work and that you want to, that you're, you're, that you think there's a collaboration that, that will, you know, bring something better than what you could do on your own, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's been interesting. Um, I will say it's been interesting with this first feature to do all the different roles and to like, well, I mean, obviously, it's just it's just been a learning process with all the different roles, but also to be like <laughs> working with myself as the editor. <laughs> this is what I would want from an editor. This is <laughs> right. This is like I I really want someone who looks for the moments that are even mistakes that the actors make. Like someone mm. who has a really similar taste that I have, who sees magic in moments that are kind of awkward. Um, and someone who's really, I mean, every editor obviously would be like very story based, but yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to have had the chance to kind of feel out what I would want out of somebody just like working with myself. Yeah. Although honestly, editing this feature, I would never do it again. It was like a form of torture. Like I just, I'm not an editor. Like I'm not at all. Ugh. Yeah, that's the one thing that I can say is like working with an editor on something that you've directed is so freeing because when you're editing yourself, you get so stuck in the weeds and you have no idea, Mm -hmm. like lose all perspective really quickly. Yeah. So to have like an editor is like such a luxury and it does help you make smarter and better decisions. Yeah, you get sick of looking at you know your footage and your uh, mistakes that you made like oh God, yeah. months to a year prior <laughs> yeah it's like you know someone who can come in and have a more uh, creative way of problem solving because mm-hmm. they weren't there or they don't feel like no the room has to be put together this way and it's like why you know it's like oh yeah hmm. it'd be nice to have an an editor come in and <laughs> have a new perspective yeah. Well, yeah. one day, yeah. one day, one day. And, and what you said about having somebody who wasn't there, I think is really important because, you know, having somebody who isn't so connected to the project, I think is really key. Cause if, if it's the producer who was there every day on set with you, who that's the person who's going to edit. I don't think that 
that they're going to really necessarily bring that outside perspective as much as needed, you know? Like, I think it's really having that fresh voice is really, really crucial. Right. And somebody that doesn't know, it it took us five hours to get that shot, so we have to use it. And they're just like, oh, that shot shot doesn't work. We don't need it. But it took five hours. Yeah, they don't don't have that stuff in their head. Uh, I want to get to June falling down, but before I do, I want to know more about your life in LA. Like, when did you move to LA? <laughs> what are you doing in LA? How are you making money? All that kind of stuff. Oh, it's so funny. It's so fu- <sighs> it's so funny we're talking about this because, like, literally a couple days ago, I was like, "Why am I here?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like still trying to figure it out. Okay, so we've lived here, my boyfriend Chris and I. We've lived here for four years now. Okay. Um, we we lived in the Bay Area for a little while. I was there for like a year and a half in like the Berkeley Hills. Yeah. Mm. We were up in there. Um, it's just kind of random. But yeah, Chris had, I don't know how long he'd lived there before that. A couple of years. Um, anyway, so then we came down here four years ago. And I don't know. It's... um. What was the reason? Why'd you move? Uh, because I wanted to be auditioning and I wanted to be like in the film world. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just decided, you know, if like I'm if I really want to be auditioning and acting, then I should probably go for it and go to, you know, go to L.A. I kind of always knew I'd be coming here at some point um, yeah. just to try it out. Um, that was just always something I knew I was going to do. Um, that said, uh, I do regularly think about new york sometimes mm-hmm. um i spent a couple of years there for college and like i, I don't know I, i'm trying to feel this out with other filmmakers because <laughs> i don't know i mean it's la uh la the love hate uh, relationship with LA. the love hate yeah yeah and it's maybe like like hate <laughs> like i i like la sometimes quite a lot sometimes and then other times i just like loathe it um i mean i'm from wisconsin i'm a i'm from a place where there's like a ton of seasons right. every october i get like massively depressed because <laughs> nothing changes it just gets super hot like it's like it's like in the 90s hundreds in pasadena where i live it's like awful right. Ugh, there's I no hate seasons that's like we have the same no problem seasons. in san francisco it's, there's no seasons uh, here you guys have a little bit more though, I feel. Like there's a there's a bit more of a change. But like Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, LA I, I will say though, I especially since making June and it's been uh it's been wonderful to like like say you go to a regional film festival somewhere and then you meet it's so weird how I've been going to these regional film festivals with June and then I meet like a bunch of people who live in LA. Yeah. Like, shit. yeah. <laughs> like, how did I not meet you living in L.A.? I yeah. had to go to Durango, Colorado to meet you. That's, right. like, ridiculous. But yeah. one of the weird things about our experience has been we moved here, and then basically six months later, we decided to make a movie in Wisconsin. Uh, right. And so I've we've been, like, you know, we spent, like, years, like, going back to Wisconsin over and over again. And, like, not fully immersed in L.A. So, in some ways, like, after finishing June, it's kind of been like, oh, now I'm here. Um, mm-hmm. Which is really interesting. So, I, I still feel like I'm learning about this city, but it's... Uh, 
Well, here's a here's a question. Yeah. I mean, like when you moved to L.A., what did you think was going to happen? And then what ended up uh-huh. happening instead of what you thought was going to happen? Well, I think I thought I would be auditioning and being an actor more, um, which is... See, this goes with, like, my push-pull experience with being an actor. It's like, I just... I don't find that very satisfying to just be an actor. Um, I had the script for June Falling Down that I'd been writing um, for several years. Um, I had planned to... This actually takes us into talking about June, but it's kind of... It's almost kind of inevitable because it really switched my experience of LA because I came here thinking I'm going to be auditioning. I'll keep working on my scripts in a couple of years. Maybe we'll make this movie, uh, set in Wisconsin and maybe we'll know like a cinematographer and a producer and we'll have, we'll have joined this world right. and we'll know people to help us. <laughs> You'll have your little film community that you've met. Exactly. And, and... Or, or, I'll, or at least I'll have some feelers out there or something. Yeah. But like, and wait before you go on though. Did you think yeah. that you weren't going to be able to do that in San Francisco or the Bay Area, Berkeley Hills? <laughs> you know what? I don't think it even occurred to us. Well, yeah, I think it didn't. Like, <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> it didn't occur to us to like look for people there. And okay, I don't know. I, I you know, in in it's funny because in San Francisco, I did like I acted in like a couple short films there. And, like, I think I auditioned for some plays. I was kind of, like, not really committed at all to acting. That was, like, right out of college. And right. I was like, what am I doing? I was trying to write a novel. I was writing the screenplay. Um, it was just kind of, like, kind of that was just kind place. of a... It was really all over the place, like, right out of college. And, and uh, to be honest, like, okay, so, you know, June is about my dad passing away to cancer. My dad died... Uh, two years before that Mm -hmm. so I was like crazy depressed and like trying to figure out like why do movies or why be an actor or why do entertainment for a job so it was like my time in the Bay Area was very like quiet and like Mm -hmm. thinking about like what is the point of this yeah doing a little soul searching (laughs) and then moving to LA was kind of like all right I'm gonna do it I'm gonna commit to this and I'm gonna go to the place where people are doing this stuff for sure. That was like a life shift. Sense. It was like, it was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go to LA. I'm going to audition. I'm just going to throw myself in. Um, and then of course, you know, uh, things changed pretty quickly, which is like, so I wrote this script, like planning to shoot it at my family's cottage in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And it's a very specific, beautiful area in Wisconsin. Um, I wrote the script for that specific house. And about five or six months after I moved to L.A., my mom was like, okay, I'm going to tear it down. (laughs) And she'd been talking about it for years. And it was like, and it was like, well, she's not going to do it yet. Because she kept like saying, I need to tear this house down. Like it's, it's an old, you know, hundred year old, like farmhouse, like the door handle was like falling off and she'd have to duct tape it back on. Like everything was falling apart in that house. It looks beautiful on screen, but yeah, it's, it was a mess. So she was like, I'm going to tear down this house. And I was like. I was like, shit, that means I have to make that movie sooner. Like, I don't have yeah. to make that movie. No, you don't have to make that movie. Just get a new location. It's like, no, I... That, that, that's kind of <laughs> awesome, the place. Though, that that happened because yes. it pushed you into gear and made you actually make exactly. the movie, you know? Yeah, that is exactly what happened. And it was like, it was one of those moments where it was like, 
this would be really stupid. This would be really stupid to make this movie. We'd made, Chris and I <laughs> had made two, <laughs> we had made two short films before with just the two of us. And, you know, sometimes we would get someone to help us hold the boom and stuff. And we were like, we've made some short films. It would be really stupid to make a feature. But what if this is one of those moments where you do something stupid and it turns out cool? <laughs> or like, what if this is one of those moments where it's like, okay, the challenge was there and you could have done it, but you didn't. And it was like, yeah, it was in, it was in, in retrospect. And at the time, I think I felt too, like, this is the moment where you, you say, I'm going to do it, even though I am nowhere near ready. Yeah. Like, not at all. But what was the actual risk of doing it? Like, what the, what, what, what's your financial <laughs> obligation on this movie, for instance? Uh, I don't have any. I mean, I have some credit cards to pay off. Um, but I we we'd ran, like, a couple Indiegogo campaigns. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like, I mean, the financial risk wasn't crazy. I mean, like, we... Okay, so our production budget we're estimating now is around like $11,000. Nice. (laughs) Which is crazy. I mean, okay. Like I went back to Wisconsin. We hired, we hired friends. (laughs) I did air quotes with hired because our friends acted in it for free or friends of friends acted in it for free. Um, which you cannot do in LA. I mean, you can, but it's much harder (laughs) yeah it's not cool and like (laughs) i would never do it again and you know my dream is like you know someday down the line i have more money i'm just gonna like send people checks um but you know it was it was mostly an experience where people were like super psyched to make a movie and it was super fun yeah um so i mean financial obligation is uh, you know we moved to la we were uh pretty broke already um there's no reason we had no like savings to make a movie we weren't really planning you know anything we didn't know anything about like raising money like it was just like well shit the house is gonna be torn down (laughs) we gotta make a movie and did you own all your equipment that you used to make it or how did that work out no we rented we rented it was um I'm trying to think. It was uh, ATS Rentals. I don't know. ATS Rentals. We used like a Canon 5D. And wow. like, uh, yeah, and rented, rented mics and stuff. And yeah, it's very basic. We used like a China ball to light sometimes. And yeah, it was very, very basic. Well, let's, just, you guys... let's pause for a second because well, okay, I, okay. I just want to, I just want to <laughs> let the audience know. <laughs> What we haven't communicated yet is how this movie was shot was and the way that Rebecca explained it to me was it was shot with a two person crew, Rebecca directing <laughs> and acting and her boyfriend, Chris, running camera and sound. And sometimes they would have like a third person come in and hold the boom. Right. That's yeah. the, the general setup. And so you take that very small crew and then you watch the film that Rebecca made and there's it's really special and it worked and you you made a movie that really that won me over i thought it was really great and um the whole reason this this interview came about was because i saw on twitter that you posted that your film won best american indie at the sonoma film fest and it's like what and you had a picture of you with leonard malton and it's like i gotta see this movie (laughs) and so and you sent it to me and you know, to be honest, I wasn't expecting much, um, mm-hmm. as, you know, especially as something super low budget indie. But 
by the end of it is like, all right, yep, Rebecca's got something there. So um, you did something really cool (laughs) with very limited resources. And so that's a big reason that you're on here right now is like you pulled off a feature film with just a few people, which is amazing. Um, yeah. Of course, Crazy. you know, there's a yeah. bunch of other people that came in and helped out, but it's like Ulrich and I think a lot of times get stuck in this idea that we need like a big crew surrounding us. But to see your movie done with very limited amount of resources was really inspiring to me, at least to say like, wow, I don't need a lot to make something that's pretty great. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Let me just jump in. I mean, it looks better than a lot of movies with way bigger crews and, uh, you know, way bigger budgets. And it's. But I don't know. It's really good. I think it's a testament to you guys, like picking your locations, picking your scenes and like really like, you know, shooting a movie that, you know, is going to benefit not having a big crew and not having a lot of lights and not having, you know, uh, a big fancy camera or something. Cause it, it really like you really made that, that 5d work for you in the best way possible because it, it looks great. Yeah. Like it really looks Thank great. Thank you. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, this movie's going to look and feel homemade. Um, just by virtue of like our beginner level dealing with the camera and everything. Um, and it was like, well, that, that matched, the story that we were telling. Um, and that was something that we were pretty aware of while doing it was like, okay, this movie's going to feel super local. Like one of the best things that we have working for us is the locations, like that specific area in Wisconsin and using like local people with their real Wisconsin accents and, (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) you know, shooting in the real like hardware store and, and everything. I mean, it, that really was something that we were aware of matching, like while we were making it was like, this is going to feel really homemade. Um, and there's a mix of actors and non-actors in it. Okay. That kind of fits too. Um, and it's just the homespun feeling, uh, of, of that community kind of matched having like a more basic kind of camera and like doing handheld from time to time and things like that. Like it, so we really were hoping to to marry those two with like, how you know, anyway, just like using local people, having it have like a sweet feel to it, um, yeah. So in some ways, amateurism kind of worked <laughs> with being a smaller crew, but also, but also like knowing what we were using and using it to our our advantage. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, you absolutely. you don't feel like an amateur actress. And I think that's like a huge, that's one of the things that makes this movie really work is your performance. Right. And and it doesn't feel amateurish, to be honest. It doesn't. It just, feel, it doesn't. It just feels indie. Well, that's the you know? hope, right? Yeah. Um, yeah it, it's good. So, indie is yeah. good for us. Chris and I love, like, slacker. So, mm-hmm. like, we love Linklater. So, like there were a couple times with some of our actors who are clearly non-actors and I think that's super charming and like after we would shoot it and like kind of look at the footage we're like well we're gonna have some slacker moments in this movie (laughs) and I was like you know that's okay that's okay that's not exactly how we planned every moment you know some of those moments to be but uh I like that but yeah thank you so much for saying that about my acting that was um that was one nice way to kind of like making something so indie to kind of like 
constantly be able to actually be in the scene and make the movie um just just kind of direct from inside the movie mm-hmm. um which a lot of people don't get to do <laughs> if they're constantly working with an actor and trying you know trying to pull a performance out um so i feel like i got kind of spoiled by that um knowing how i wanted june to be and then just being able to just get up and just do it um well, before we talk about what it's like to direct while you're acting, Ulrich, did you have some technical stuff? I, I interrupted you when she was talking about China balls and 5Ds and oh, stuff. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, I think I got a pretty good picture. Um, I guess the one other question I had was for audio. Like, did you um, did you have, like, laughs on actors or was it all just boom? Like, how did you guys manage that? It was basically all boom. Wow. Except for, like, one part in the park when we're walking in the park. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Otherwise, it's all boom. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well done. But it's... Um, uh... <laughs> what was I also going to say? Oh, yeah. Just, like, it's funny because, you you know, we're talking about this movie, indie, two-person crew, whatever. But, like, I think from watching it, like, you probably wouldn't realize that it's a two-person crew at all because there are so many actors in this movie and so much <laughs> cast. And it's, it's pretty mind-blowing that you're able to get that many actors together and... You know, people who didn't like, yeah, yeah, you could tell that like some of the actors weren't weren't actors, but they all feel very natural and just a, a two person, three person crew wrangling that many people. It just seems crazy to me. So, <laughs> oh I don't know, how, did, how did you manage that? Oh, that was like my hell. <laughs> was like that was your responsibility too. Oh my god! Yeah, that was my responsibility. It was just like hellish, just getting a hold of everybody. I mean, I had like, I had a wall in my apartment here that was just like all like post its of like everyone's availability and non availability, <laughs> and it was just like, oh my god, it was ridiculous. Um, Once you got there to shoot it, though, was it was it yeah. like an everyday thing? Like, I need you guys here to be here uh, Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. To, to 5 p.m. every single day? Or was it kind of like day by day, you would just kind of like figure it out? Oh, no, it wasn't day by day. It was definitely like... Scheduled out. Generally, yeah, it was scheduled out. And we shot in increments. So we shot for like two weeks in May... We shot for like 10 days in July. This is all throughout, you know, summer of 2014. Yeah, 10 days in July. We shot for like maybe 10 more days in September. And then a weekend, Halloween weekend, we shot in LA and San Francisco. Um, So we did it as we could. Whenever our actors were all available at the same time, we would, you know, I'd be emailing people weeks in advance about this, and we would find a time when everyone could do it, and when like the local business could do it. Right. Um, so it was, it was insane. But that said, we didn't have a lot of crew to figure out like <laughs> when they were available. Right. Um, so, and I will say also, like in terms of like that lightness of feel with with people, even if they're not actors, I do think that having less crew and having less of a setup probably made those people feel quite a bit more comfortable. Oh, yeah. Um, That, and and not having, like, people going around them and going, okay, okay, you you know, and checking their makeup. We had no makeup person. You know, we had nothing, unless if it was me at times. Um, But, like, you know, there there wasn't anything special about the shot. 
um, or it didn't feel that way while they were performing or saying their lines. And it was really important to me and Chris that everything felt fun. Like it was like, this is a non-paid acting thing. This has got to feel really fun. There are certain scenes where the characters are drinking beer. We're drinking beer a lot in the movie. Uh, a number of those times we're definitely drinking real beer and just like, <laughs> you know, which you should not do because <laughs> uh, the ability to work goes down pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, like just kind of creating that feeling of like, you can't mess up. You can't mess up. Look how tiny this movie is. You can't right. mess up on this movie. Look, like I'm the director. I'm the one that's bossing you around. You're going to see me screw up my lines over and over and over again. And I'll just say, oh, never mind. That, that sucked. I'm going to go again. Um, there was just like kind of a messy feeling about it, um, controlled mess, um, but still like, you know, it was just, we really wanted everybody to feel like you can't, you, you know, you cannot fail doing this. Like we, we, we hired people based on their personality and if they felt kind of like the character already. So, you know, like the guy who plays... One of the other leads is is Harley. Um, the actor's name is Nick Hoover. He's like never acted before. Like he's a musician, and he's and he's great, and he's the perfect cast for Harley. He's perfect, and he's, uh, you know, just just kind of letting him kind of figure out the character and just kind of being himself like through the character. Um, and through the lines and and he would you know he would improvise a little bit and try to make the lines more himself like that was that was really our goal was to just let people hang out and be themselves on screen and mm -hmm. just to make everybody as comfortable as possible um so two person crew actually worked in our favor in that way i feel but i'll have to figure that out for the next one <laughs> <laughs> how calculated was this whole setup like was it just born out of necessity or was it like Going in with a two-person crew is going to make her lives easier. Um, that's a good question. Um, it was mostly necessity. Mm -hmm. Um, it was mostly necessity, and then it was also like, well, if this is necessity, how does this work for us? Um, right. Like we, you know, it wasn't like we were gonna do a movie that had. Like, anything too fancy in it. Any kind of huge camera moves. Like, it was... Like, we loved, like, the Duplass brothers. Like, I, I really admire them um, and what they've done. And it was, like, their movies always have, like, a homemade feel to them. And they feel really intimate. Mm -hmm. So, it was like, okay. We, you know... We love those movies. We only have us right now. We don't. We don't know a DP. We can't hire a DP. We don't have any money. Um, <laughs> so let's just let's just do this and let's just try to get. Let's focus on the performances and let's focus on the writing and focus on the overall feeling that you're getting from from this uh, environment in small town Wisconsin. Nice. Um, does Chris now, after making this movie, is he going into being m more of a DP or is it just something that he did for this movie? Uh, I think he kind of got into it, but I, I don't think he really wants to be like a DP. Um, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I think, I think he got into it and I think he, he enjoyed it. He, I don't know. I can't really speak for him though. Cause I, I do think that he, 
he enjoyed it. And he's he's a much more technical person than I am. Like, I thank God because, you know, he could always be like, you know, working with the camera, working with the sound. And then I could be like, okay, so this is what we're like feeling in the scene. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is how you it know, should be, right? You know, you need to have the yeah. the breakup of the of the of the minds in that way. I think you know? exactly, yeah. And we just we just got very lucky that our brains are split in that way, and yet come together very well in terms of our um, our taste in what makes a good performance, in what um, makes something like melodramatic or not that was a line we were walking really finely in this movie especially with dealing with like you know flashbacks of cancer and things like that it was like okay we we have to make this we have this has to have great taste and and i'm very lucky that chris has great taste um and our taste is almost exactly the same um in movie and, and in performances and things like that in working with him you really it sounds like you really gave him a lot of room to direct the photography like you you didn't you weren't telling him <laughs> i want the camera right here and i want to be pointing this way and i want the light to look like this you just kind of gave him a general sense for how you wanted it to feel and then you helped bring it to life <laughs> we well we developed shot lists beforehand mm-hmm. um so we knew what we needed beforehand um he would definitely get in there and set things up and then i'd be like <laughs> Sometimes it would be perfect, <laughs> but <laughs> rather often I would come in and be like, no, no, you need this. You know, I would just kind of change the frame up. Um, okay. But but that said, again, our, our tastes overlap, so we would we would um, we'd be usually be pretty close to what the other was thinking. Um, although I love <laughs> I love Chris, but I'm more of a visual person than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, like there are specific things that I want certain things I don't want in the shot that he wouldn't notice sometimes. And I'd be like, Oh, how do you not notice that? Like air conditioning unit, like right there, like get it (laughs) out of there. You know, I know it's like, Oh, so, so, you know, we work together on that. Yeah. Well, part of the reason I ask is because I'm trying to get a sense for like, how involved are you as a director? Are you like, cause you're also acting in every scene. Or most scenes so I'm wondering like how does it work when you're on set how do you direct the actors and direct the camera um, and tell your story all at the same time how do you parse all those different pieces of what it means to be a director while you're also acting in a scene yeah it's it's a it's really crazy making basically but um, I would say that I think what helped was uh, being the person who wrote it mm-hmm. uh, because I mostly knew the lines already. I mostly knew how the scene was supposed to be acted. Um, You know, I would learn my lines the night before and kind of check in. Oh, yeah, that's what June's doing today. Okay. Um, But being on set, yeah, and being split. I mean, the whole experience was like the experience of being like, okay, so we're setting up the shot. Good. Chris is setting up the camera. I'm going to go check the shot and move it around a little bit. I'm goofing around with the actors a little bit because everyone needs to feel like this is a super fun, warm environment. Um, or if it's a very serious scene, it's like, okay, let's talk about what we're dealing with today. Um, and then if there are extras, like I was telling the extras what to do and like figuring out 
when we were going to feed everybody. Um, so doing all that, I <laughs> right. mean, it's just like... There's a whole producing I, I aspect of it that I forgot in my question. Oh, my God. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But, like, I mean, I will say that I was pretty relaxed whenever we were... Whenever I was acting. Like, I... That was, like, the really easy part of the shoot was, mm. like, doing the scene. And I do think that I benefited from having my mind being a mi- in a million places and then going to act and just like, just, like, falling into it. Like, that was almost kind of relaxing. Um, I, <laughs> I hate planning stuff. I hate, I hate, like, emailing people about, like, scheduling and all that kind of stuff. Like, that is stressful to me. And figuring out, are we on time for lunch and things like that. I hate that. <laughs> I love thinking about the scene. I love thinking about, like, you know, what is that, how is that camera set up making people feel about this actor? Um this character how is this you know how is this all going to edit together with everything else that we have um i i really enjoy that part of it i enjoy Mm -hmm. having my mind like really deep in the story it's the rest of it that stresses me out like crazy (laughs) but but did you manage it together did chris really help with the logistics or was it kind of like he was doing the technical stuff and then you were like left to deal with everything else (laughs) he was doing technical stuff no he was doing some logistics but that's probably more in my I'll say I'm able to do that stuff really well I don't like it though Um, (laughs) so like I'm I am a very organized person when it comes to putting on a show whatever that means like getting people together and being very conscious of everyone's time but like uh, I hate it, but <laughs> but I mean, Chris was good at it too. I mean, but he was definitely more like in the technical world. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, I will never do anything again without an assistant of some kind at <laughs> all times. Or a producer, <laughs> producer. Or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it sounds like you could have a producer would have been really helpful. But I mean, uh, it doesn't yes. show on screen. It looks like you guys nailed it. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> See, that's that's good. That's all that matters. It's like yep. you know. Ugh, but never again. I'll I'll need a producer for sure. Yeah. How, so how do you? Um, judge your performance while you're acting (laughs) because you know in my understanding of acting is you need to be in the moment and you need to be acting as if that's really happening so you can't be also judging yourself you can't have a critical mind going on while you're performing so how do you is it just more of like a feeling thing like oh that felt right Mm, you know i'm actually a bit suspicious of of thinking of it as just the way that you're feeling. Uh I do think, you know, if you think about like people acting in the theater, they can be talking to someone very intimately right next, next to them, but their, their voice has to reach the back row of the theater. Mm -hmm. They're not fully in that moment. There's always an awareness of, of what you're performing for. Okay. Um, I think it's not as romantic to think of it that way. And I think, that there's a lot of like famous actors that have have made that really seem like attractive to people especially like when they do interviews and things like that right. about like how how deep was he in the role like you know <laughs> he, he was the- so deep that we had to call him by the character's name in between takes 
that kind that's of thing. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And like, that's, I mean, I don't know how you do that knowing that you have to hit a mark. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think that you're, I, I think that you're, you're both at the same time. And I mm. think that's really hard for people to do. Um, it's sense. hard for me. It's, it's, it's hard. I mean, you know, you need to know if you're in a close-up shot or, or you know, you need to know where the frames are. You know, it's just like you need to know how the camera's moving. It's, it's, uh, it's something that you're marrying with the way that your character's feeling and what they're expressing and, mm -hmm. and everything like that. And it's, it's, man, it's hard. I'm trying to remember what you asked originally. Well, let's, let's take a scene <laughs> with, like, Nick. You're, like, acting alongside yeah. Nick. And while you're acting and he's he's coming back at you with his own energy, are you both an actor and a director at the same time? And as he's like coming back at you with lines, you're thinking, oh, he didn't say that the right way or that's not the right tone for it. And so you're like making mm. notes as a director while you're also performing. So when you're in between takes, you can go back to Nick and be like, hey, on this line, the intention of it is really this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I should be like, no, I never do that. I'm totally in the moment. No, I totally, I totally am aware if like a line got screwed up somewhere. Um, that said, I'm also aware if a line got screwed up, then I as an actor uh, make that line work for me. So I'll change my line to make sense with theirs. Um, so, so it's a little bit of improv that happens mm -hmm. in moments, which was actually something that I wanted all the time in the movie was like, if people screw up, like some of our best moments come when people, they, they forget what the exact line is and they come up with something else in the moment. Mm. Like that's wonderful. Um, but like when you're directing like that, um, it also depends on if the camera's on me or not. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> right. you know, if the camera's on the other actor, then I can use my performance to pull things out of that actor. Right. So I can, like, so Nick and I, Harley and I are, like, at the bonfire, and June is kind of flirting with Harley, trying to make him embarrassed in certain moments. So I can do things to Nick with my face on certain lines that make him... Ugh, embarrassed or like shy or something or like don't look at me that way kind of feeling coming out of him mm -hmm, right um you can <laughs> that's another thing nice thing about being the actor in the movie that you're directing is you can <laughs> manipulate is the tough word but no, like you i think can, that's a fair word yeah, yeah you I can pull so. performances out of people um you know if like if i'm um if I'm working with, uh, like, say, the woman playing my mom, I can be really bratty to her. And um, she can, you know, and I've seen that in her in her takes. Like, she'll really get, you know, she kind of looks at me and, and gets a little bit pissed off at me. Like, it's great. <laughs> like, yeah. that's what I want, you know, is like, you want to pull things out of people. But, um, no, I certainly, there are definitely moments where I'm, like, looking at someone and I'm like... This is, <laughs> I do remember being on set and being like, certain moments when the camera was on me being like, this scene needs to, something needs to be different about that line that he says, or something needs to be, I need to change the lighting seems like it got weird. Or like, you know, we shot at a, we shot at a bar, like that was open, like part of the time, like for like our fight scene 
in the movie. And like, there were these drunk dudes that kept coming out. And it was like, well, if they're not making a sound, I'm going to keep doing my scene. (laughs) Oh, my mom did craft services sometimes. So like, you know, I know, (laughs) moms. (laughs) But like, you know, like I would be thinking sometimes in the middle of the scene, oh my God, these people are probably hungry. I wonder when my mom's getting here with the chili. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's very real that you, you can't, I couldn't just like sink into June like I would normally on a real set. It yeah. was like it was, it was everything at the same time. Right, it's crazy. Yeah, so I have a question, um, like about this. So, like, if you're in a scene and you're acting, and let's say the camera's on you and the other actor, uh, and it's not going well, um, or the way that you want it to, right, in the scene. Um, do you call cut or do you let the actor just finish the scene and let it play out? Or like, how do you deal with that? Like, do you, like, what's your method, especially when you're on camera? Cause like as mm-hmm. off camera, it's another thing. Cause you're able to see it and you can, you can know like, Oh, I'm not going to use this. Let's just stop it and redo it again. But if you're in it, maybe there's something that you can't see that, that would be useful for you later. Like, so do you just always let it play it mm-hmm. out or do you cut it? Like, how do you handle that? That's a good question. That really depends on the moment. Um, I think emotionally we were generally on target, um, usually because I really talked with the other actors beforehand. And I had a really good rapport with everybody. So we, you could feel the energy between uh, myself and the other actor if things were going well or... Yeah, you know, even if the take wasn't perfect or someone screwed up a line or 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 just the vibe got kind of strange you know usually if we had scenes with two people where it was like a two person uh, they weren't that long so i just shoot the whole thing because you're right like you could look at it later and be like no that actually was pretty good yeah um and that's the thing with being an actor too actor editor i guess is like you know i would think you know, we always tend to think like the last take or the last couple takes is when you really hit it. And mm-hmm. it's like, I actually have found that like, uh, I, I actually do pretty well on take two um, sometimes. And and some people would be really great in their rehearsal. So we would shoot their rehearsal <laughs> without them knowing it. Uh, so <laughs> like, <laughs> So like the guy who plays my brother, you know, Evan is 17, but he would do some really cool stuff in rehearsal, like before it was serious, like before the acting became serious. He's like 17 and he's learning how to act on camera in the moment. So you would, we would catch some really cool stuff from him just kind of goofing off with me in the rehearsal. And that's, a, a, you know, a good portion of that ended up in the movie. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, like that's an, that was an interesting thing actually, like learning when people when their best acting came out. Um that was really interesting. Um if it got too rehearsed, that I I can't take that. Like you don't want it feeling rehearsed. Right. You want it fresh. To the right. point about recording uh, um recording rehearsals without the actors knowing it were you guys slating in between like actual takes or was that just all kind of also just we're rolling okay let's go oh yeah we were slating yeah yeah we were slating but not for rehearsals i don't think i think we would just you would just hear like chris or me say okay so let's just do a rehearsal yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
Gotcha. And Chris would just hit record. (laughs) Because I feel like the slate definitely makes things feel like Mm -hmm. things are like happening. Like, all right, this is serious now. So I was wondering if you just got rid of it for the shoot. Yeah, no, we used the slate because I think we would have gone crazy otherwise. Um, right, trying with, to sort with editing. That yeah, it's just it just would have been too much. Um, but ooh, <laughs> we were usually pretty casual. I mean, like you know, even if we slated, generally, if it was a happy fun scene, there would be a little bit more goofing around before we actually said action. Yeah. Um, but if it was a serious scene, then yeah, then then I slating. I mean. And then kind of going, okay, so we're in this scene now. And, and kind of calming the whole energy down after that slate. You know, that, that was a nice way to say, okay, now things are serious. Yeah. Um, but With a, with a two-person yeah. crew, that's got to be a lot easier, too, because there's so much, <laughs> yeah. so many less people, so much less equipment. It's not so, you know, whatever, like intimidating for the actors. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's... um. It really was more about interactions between actors than it was about, okay, so this is, you know, this is what we're doing technically, and the camera's going to move this way. Like, we, we, I mean, you've seen the movie, like, it's, it really is mostly like, um, it's just like shots back and forth. I mean, it's a lot of, it's, you know, I, I make like, very like talking <laughs> focused <laughs> movies and like I love like Linklater and stuff so it's like it's always people talking but like you know we weren't doing a lot with the camera just we we're just focusing on the story so I I do think that it was better that there was less going on technically around everybody um yeah well, I want to talk about what happened after the movie was finished, but before we move on to that, Ulrich, do you have any other making of questions? Yeah, I have two. So one, how many actors um, came from L.A. and how many were locals? <laughs> no actors from L.A. Um, well, that's not true. Um, in the first scene, the first scene that's on the beach, it's on Ocean Beach, San Francisco, uh, those actors live there. Um or they live around there. I think they live in Oakland, actually. And then the guy in the beginning was a great actor named Mitch Lerner. I knew him from college, but he, he lived in L.A. Um, mm. So we shot that part in L.A. Um, and then everyone else is Wisconsin. And um, how did you cast? Yeah. <laughs> They're mostly friends or friends of friends. Um, so Which roles did you have to cast for? Well, like Evan, for instance, where did he come from? Like Evan. Oh yeah, Evan. Okay, so Evan, my 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 brother in the movie. I just put that on Facebook. I was like, hey, I need (laughs) a guy who's like, like I'd prefer him to be like twenty or something, and but he needs to look like he's like seventeen. Um, and I got a bunch of responses from like the Door County community. That's that's where we shot the movie, Door County, Wisconsin, and um one of them was Evan and I kind of looked at his picture and I looked at his picture on Facebook and I was like, ah, he's too blonde. I don't know. Like he, he doesn't look quite right. Cause you know, my mom in the movie is really dark hair and dad's the dad has a little bit like closer coloring to me, but like, I don't know. We, we kind of looked at some other actors just like, like literally people sending us their names through like Facebook messages and like I would like look the actor the, the you know the kid up whatever on Facebook and I'd be like okay yeah n- not really and then I went back to Evan and 
I don't know. I think I saw him like in a trailer for like a really silly short film that he and his friends made. Um, Evan was like he was he was seventeen, and I was like I don't know. Let's let's try it out. So we uh, we talked to him. I, I sent I emailed him sides. We we did like a Skype audition, mm-hmm. um, and like we read with him and and I could tell that he was directable and he was also really serious about acting. Um, going to college for it or hoping to go to college for it so and and i mean this kid i like love evan evan's like one of those like miracles that you find like i i I had no idea how cool this kid would be but like like we're like yeah we love like the duplass brothers and link later it's gonna have a very like pc kind of organic feel and like you know a little bit of like improv and stuff and he was like oh he was like i love the duplass brothers i have here i have a jeff who lives at home dvd over here (laughs) and chris and i were like oh my god this kid is amazing and he just he knew exactly what we were going for but anyway that's a long story with evan but like that's okay is that is that kind of how some of the other cast members got cut like mom and dad like yeah well okay so so uh the dad uh steve is a um he he and claire um that both the parents are professional actors in wisconsin and they do a lot of theater um steve i was aware of um he uh the door county area where we shot the movie has a lot of like really great regional summer theater and i'd seen him perform in a play so i um okay and i had a good feeling about him and i was like i think he's the right age to play my dad you know it's hard to tell theater but like you know i i reached out to him and i i just thought he was such a a natural actor on stage like really more subdued than most stage actors but in a way that is just awesome and i yeah i just um I thought he would be perfect just seeing him in that play and and Chris knew him too actually just from Chris's history in theater um but yeah so I like emailed him like every single person even if I thought that they were right for it I did read with all of them um like over Skype or in person over Skype or in person um so okay, Claire both. the mom I read with her in person in like a theater lobby met with uh Met, yeah, I met with everybody, or it was, or or they recorded actually, or they recorded an audition and sent it in, and I would kind of look at it and I'd be like, yeah, they have the. It, it was really more energy based than anything else. Um, and then last question about actors: um, the the guys in the hardware store, are those the actual people <laughs> that work there? No, no, uh, they're they're like friends of ours. Like everybody is like a, a friend of ours. Like th- those kind of characters. So the guy who's really talking about like the tick attack, and yeah. he's got like a bandana. He yeah. is. He does like set design and lighting for theater. Okay, and he's just like, he's like a character he's just like a character in that area and he's hilarious and like that part where he's talking about like the ticks and stuff and like complaining about the ticks that summer and the bugs <laughs> yeah like i didn't i didn't write that like we said like Stuart, like what are you like mad about lately and we just like put the camera on him and he was like we were like because we knew he hates cats we're like can you talk about cats Stuart? just tell pat the other guy about cats and he was like why do you want me to talk about cats i don't want to talk about cats and i was like okay well what's like what's like going on in your life that's like difficult and he went into the bugs and like that was just like how we got that part of the movie oh, nice. <laughs> oh, that's so funny yeah that was a standout part to me yeah i, I love that part 
<laughs> and I just want to confirm, all these actors, they all work for free? Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I mean, sometimes we could throw in a little bit with, like, gas money and stuff. But, like, yeah, they work for free, like, food and, like, beer. Wow. Like, we had lots of beer. But, you know, I mean, part of that is, like, they knew how crazy small this movie was and, like, what kind of, like, a dream it was to make it and, like, and we're just not, it's not a part of the world where people put, do movies at all. Right. Or even get, you know, let alone get paid for them. So, you know, uh, I would, I want to pay people next time because it's, it is hard. It's hard to have people come out and know that they're, they're taking, you know, time from their, a beautiful summer day to come act in a movie. But right. Our shoots were usually never that long, like shooting scenes, like, you know, again, like a two person crew, like we, we did not have huge setups. Like it, it did take a little while, but like, I mean, I don't know. I think that an actor would get there and maybe like an hour later we'd be shooting wow. a couple hours later, we'd be done. Um, wow. Like it's just, uh, you know, if you're not paying people, you better do it fast. <laughs> and if you had to guess uh, or maybe you know the answer to this how many days was your shoot see I don't know I feel like it's <sighs> I feel like you would technically say it's like over 30 days yeah. but we didn't do crazy long days because it was just the two of us and we knew that we would die if we were doing like 12 hour days like with just two people <laughs> like like I mean we if we did like a 6 hour day you better believe that the rest of that day, we would be planning the rest of the days, running around and buying stuff, mm. buying props or like wow. getting cake for the reception scene and things like that. So for our own health and for the for the movie, you know, the for the betterment of the movie or however, however you would say that, like we did not kill ourselves um, to make certain number of days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that goes to Timothy's theory. Yeah, you know, that, like, that, that you shouldn't try to shoot a movie in like fifteen or twenty days because it's not it's not going to be that good if you just push it out so quickly. Like you know, you yeah. know, it takes time to tell a good story, and you know, it sounds like you guys did that, which is nice. Yeah, and you know, it was really, I really appreciated that we shot it in like pieces throughout a summer and fall, spring, summer, and fall because. Whenever we would get like weeks off in between, we could look at our footage and we could mm -hmm. see what was missing. Or you could see if there was a transition that needed to happen somewhere. Or if the tone of the ending of a scene or the beginning of a scene wasn't quite right. Or or if if there was a tone that was needed for a scene that was coming up to transition between scenes. Like if, if you could, um, not just tone, but also just like camera shots and just like... It's just everything. Like, it was so nice to be able to step back and look at it regularly and then go back in and say, okay, this is what we need next. Um, that was really helpful. So nice. rare, rare thing to be able to do. Um, I know Timothy wants to get to after the movie, but I have just one <laughs> more question about this. <laughs> yeah. um, so, like, going back, like, if you could make this movie with more money, like, would you? Like, would you change anything? Would you do anything differently? Or would you, like, just do it the exact same way you did it again? You know, I've thought about this. I know in the, I know at the moment, and it was so, it was so, like, don't get me wrong, like, we had a great time shooting the movie, but it was 
so stressful. Like, just, like, having (laughs) so much, especially, like, on my shoulders. I was, like, I was just, like, collapsing from, like, anxiety. (laughs) So, it's, like, yeah, I mean, I probably would have redone it with, with, like, some more assistance. Like, for sure. Like, just for my own health and, like, You were wearing way too many hats. Too much. Way too much. And, like, at the same time, though, I... I don't think I would change it. I mean, I I do think... I don't know. I don't think that you make a movie like this where it really feels super indie and, and like, charming with, like, these, these local actors. It's hard to get that feeling if you... I don't want to say if you know too much because, obviously, like, I want to know more about having a bigger crew and things like that and I want to replicate this kind of um this lighter feeling that we have in this movie but like I don't know I do think that the feel of the movie kind of comes from how homemade it is Mm -hmm. and I I think I like that about it you know sometimes I look at it and I'm like oh god look at that like what is wrong with us you know we've made so many mistakes making this movie but then other times it's like oh my god like this this is like I don't know, it kind of felt like lightning in a bottle to some extent, too. It was like, look at these wonderful people that were all able to come together this summer and be in this movie. Like, we weren't ready, but man, there's something very magical in this movie. And that was, that's kind of a cool feeling, but I'll never do it that way again, though. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I just, just, you know, it doesn't, like, I I imagine, okay, you put $40,000 more into this movie, $30,000 more into this movie. Like, I don't think it's going to make it I mean, because it's good. Like, it's a good movie. Like, I don't know what that would give you besides maybe it would look a little bit, you know, different maybe, but maybe not. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I just it's think that you, you you made the movie the way that's probably best for the movie because now you're going to, you know, whenever you go into distribution or, or whatever you do with it, you're going to recoup your, your, um, your investment so much faster, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's true. I mean, you, you know, like you have a chance of being profitable in a way that you probably wouldn't if you had made it in a traditional manner you know or that you maybe would be harder to to do you know what i'm saying so yeah. it just seems like you, you you did it in a way that like man it really was the best way I, although it killed you or it was really hard but uh, <laughs> you know but you're alive you made it through you know so hey. yeah That's well, right. and i hear how much trouble it was to make that movie and i'm like i'm living it in my <laughs> mind and i'm thinking man this like I, I remember how hard it is to make my own movies and and in most cases, I'm not wearing as many hats as you've been wearing. And I wonder, like, why make even make a movie? Why do we do this to ourselves? Oh like, what what was it that you just had to go and do this? Why wouldn't it have been easier just not to make a movie at all? Oh my god, it would have been so much easier. Are you kidding me? Oh my god, like a couple. Di- no, this is like the craziest time to talk about this because, like, literally a couple days ago, I was like deep in a depression about like why do I want to make movies? Yeah, it's why so, do we do this to ourselves? It's so hard. It is so much work. It is so many people to corral. Even for a movie like this, it was. It's so much. You have to get so much aligned and to to make it happen and even to make it happen well like oh my god it's like it feels like the odds are stacked against you like it's it's crazy like i i grew up painting and like drawing and like 
you know, doing ballet. It's like, oh my God, like the satisfaction that you can get just sitting down and drawing something. Oh my God. <laughs> so then it's why so do we do faster. it? Rebecca, why are we doing this? I don't know, this? man. <laughs> why do you do it? Think, what, what is it about filmmaking that you just, I, that you uh, had to do this? I think for me, it's the place. I have like way too many interests. Okay. I like, I love, I love visual art. I love music. I love writing. I love acting. I, I, all of it. So like the place where finally I found a place to put it all together is in film. Mm -hmm. Um, I can relate to that. Yeah. And it's like, I think I also like, like some of my favorite moments in movies are like moments where like music is married to image. Oh, yeah. Like in like Tarantino movies, and you just kind of feel like swept up into it, and like I don't know, you can't get that anywhere else. It's you can kind of get that in theater sometimes with music, um, but it's not the same. Um, it's yeah, but you could just go watch a good movie. Why do you have to make your yeah. own? Oh my god, I don't know, man. <laughs> I probably have control issues or something. I don't know. I just like. You know what it is, though, is, like, I see movies, I love movies, there are some movies that I admire so much that I'm just like, I could never make anything like that, but the world, the world that I see sometimes when I listen to music, or if I'm picturing my movies that I'm, that I'm writing, I'm like, I don't see, I don't see that specifically in movies. Hmm. And I want to see it. Hmm. Um, And so I feel like I have to do it. (laughs) That's a good answer. (laughs) I don't know. All all the filmmakers that we talk to, it just seems like we're all driven by some some unknowable thing that we just, there's something in us that says we have to create. And like you said, film is the medium where it combines visuals and acting and music and sound design there's like all these things that come together and i i have the same background as you is where like i grew up like drawing and trying to do magic tricks and mm-hmm. um like building Me things too. myself and like some somewhere along the way i found out that film is like combines all these things together that i love and then on top of it i just love the challenge like it seems almost impossible to make something good and as depressing as that that is sometimes at the same time it's what drives me because like if i can conquer this i can conquer anything <laughs> Because this is like the hardest thing to oh, do in the world. It's so hard. It's so hard. And you know the the, the frustrating thing about it is that people don't know. <laughs> they don't they have no idea how hard it is to balance all these elements. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's delightful when it happens, like when when suddenly everything comes together. I mean <sighs> Okay, so, like, we've shown our movie at festivals, and we've had some, like, really wonderful moments where people, like, really connect to the movie, and I love that. That's that's wonderful, but one of the best moments making this movie, honestly, was when we figured out the ending, Um, which is... I don't want to reveal too much about it, but anyway, there's like a there's like a very brief flashback that happens, and there's music that Chris wrote. By the way, Chris composed some of the some of the music for this movie. Um... And just like the 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 marrying of like everything that happened in the movie before then, everything the characters have been through, and then some of the prettiest shots in the movie that are like 
marrying that with this music and having all of that combine into one moment where I usually like that's a moment where people kind of like tear up in the audience a little bit. I almost always hear that at the end, like someone sniffling. And it's like when we when I saw that in the edit, I was like, oh, my God, it was like one of the happiest moments making this movie. Yeah. Like just when everything came together. I don't know. That's just it's a it's a pretty great high. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to say, you know, we we all have those moments of like doubting ourselves and why are we doing this or whatever. But um, I don't know. I feel like after watching your movie, it's like you can't stop, man. You got to keep on doing it. You know. <laughs> yeah, keep on dude, doing Rebecca. It. If you can do this with just the the with wearing all those hats, I can't wait to see what you do when you start getting other people to help you out. Oh, that's so your nice. Your movie turned out really good, and yeah, um, your your acting is amazing. So like, don't stop acting. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's like to me, that's the highlight of the movie is like your performance. So. Like, I, I'm oh, excited to see more from you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's... Uh, I really enjoyed acting in that movie. I enjoyed not thinking about it too much. That was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. feeling too precious about it. Um, You know, one of our goals with this is to show people what we can do with very little money. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And to say, look, like, look, okay, yeah, there are a lot of imperfections in this movie, for sure. But, like, look at what we can do with story and with performances and with just everything and just the way that it makes you feel. Like, like that's not something that everybody can do. And we yeah. we really wanted to showcase that. That was where our strength could be, even if our technical ability was, was limited in certain ways. So we're hoping to use that in some way. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Figure it yeah. out as we go. Well, we're running out of time, but I, want, I do want to, mm. like, jump into yeah, after yeah. the movie was done and you you made it into some festivals and i'm just curious to know like what are your distribution plans um you told me in the email that you didn't think that you're going to distribute your movie and i well. and i also mentioned that <laughs> i i thought you were gonna have a hard time getting distribution just because it is such a small film and i just didn't know like what the audience was going to be so i'm so curious to hear like wh- where are you yeah. headed with this film what are you going to do with it and also how can people see it yeah um so in terms of distribution i think that what we we're really really leaning towards self-distribution um I, and, and this might change, um, you know, we, we'll see. We've definitely gotten, we've definitely had interest. Um, I, but I do have some, some filmmaker friends who are doing self-distribution and just talking to them about like not having to pay that middleman, especially if your movie doesn't really have stars in it i mean mm-hmm. our our actors are all stars to me but they are they're not names <laughs> right. no one's gonna stars look at it eyes. and go like yeah that's right stars in my eyes but like no one's gonna look at these actors and go oh wow we should see that because i've seen him on the show or whatever um and and so my feeling and the general feeling that i get is that if a distributor has like a certain number of movies that they're working with at a time and they have some movies that have actors with with names or semi names that would draw people in. 
I just feel like they're going to work so much harder for those movies because they know that they'll make more money. Um, I think our movie's special. It's a sweet little movie. Um, it's not like, oh my God, did you see this movie? It's crazy. No, it's like a quiet, sweet movie in a small town with like really sweet performances and like it, it, it's a feel good movie. You know, that's not like one of those indie movies that people go, oh my God, have you seen this? Like, but there are certain people. And this is something I've been learning a lot at film festivals. There are certain people that just really, really get this movie. Um, and I'm starting to try to figure out who that audience is just by, like, the patterns. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the challenge know, that we all yeah, have as filmmakers hard. is finding that audience. And yeah. um, if you're going to do self-distribution, you know, it is it comes down to where do you find an audience that wants to see this kind of movie and that's going to pay mm -hmm. to watch this kind of movie? Yeah. 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 That's I don't have struggle. an answer for you, but I mean, that's, that, that's definitely <laughs> well, the challenge. Well, do you have time to, to chat longer, Rebecca, or do you have to go? Because yeah, I have yeah, a few the, questions no, about fine. this. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Yeah, okay, self-distribution versus going with the distributor. Like, do you ever think about what it looks like to have um, the name of, of a distributor on your movie and that, like, that would help you get your next movie made and, like, the relationships that you make with that distributor? Whether or not they give your movie the attention that you think it de deserves, you know, with all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But just having that distributor as part of your movie, do you think about that as, like, being useful? Or is it more like, I, I just want to, you know... <laughs> I actually don't think about that. Yeah, I mean, I can see why that would be helpful. Um, uh, yeah, it's not really a concern. I mean, it's really not. I I think, and this is probably just like pure naivety, but like, I, I think that our next movie is probably going to hinge a lot on our script and on who we can find relationships with especially with actors like I'm I mean I love our cast for this movie but I'm certainly gonna look for like a, a more of a name actor because I've seen the results of that at film festivals and mm -hmm. interest that people have in a movie um yeah that's on my, I mean I'm like right at the beginning of like really really thinking about distribution so like that is on my mind but that said there are an awful lot of distributors out there right now that are like preying on first-time filmmakers mm -hmm. um and they <laughs> seek you out and they send you emails and they like you know it's uh, we'll see i mean I, i'm certainly open to it if it came around um or if i found someone that seemed like the right fit for our kind of movie but yeah i, I as of right now i also really like the idea of holding on to it because you know like, say our next two movies have bigger names in them and, you know, ideally we'd like to keep growing and building a name for ourselves. Well, like, what do you do then if you've seen two movies or three movies of someone that you like? You go back and you watch the first movie and it's like, I really kind of want to own the first movie. Mm. Um, I'm really leaning that way. But, you know, I'm, I'm learning as I go right now and, and we'll see. Yeah. Well, have you thought about like, okay, so there's all these distributors coming after you and like, you don't know if they're any good and they're trying to take advantage, whatever. But like, have you thought about like targeting your favorite distributors, like of bigger movies and just like sending them the movie and seeing what they think and trying mm -hmm. to like say like, okay, well, here's my list of 10 distribution companies that I really like that I would love for my movie to be with. And if they don't want it, 
then I'll self-distribute. Have you ever done, have you thought about doing something like that? I haven't really. And like, you know, I might think about doing something like that. But again, I, I also think like we didn't pay our actors. That's like, I think that's like 30% that goes to a distributor. Um, I, and I think about all the work that we'll put in with publicity. I mean, it's it's a balancing act and I'm like researching it right now, like just starting to research it right now. So that's a good thought, but like, I don't know. I, I, I'm really obviously like floating around right now, just kind of like weighing my options, but that is a good, I mean, that is a good way of thinking about it, but I don't know. I still lean towards owning it myself right now. Obviously I want distribution in the future, but. Uh, this movie is so small. I don't know. <laughs> and then, and then, following up on that, like, what does self distribution look like for you? Do you have like a plan oh about how you <laughs> no, do it? No, not right now. I know you guys are going to ask me this. Sounds like <laughs> shit. I've got so much research to do. Um, I have other filmmaker friends who've been doing it, and so I, I'm going to be like uh, talking to them about it and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, right now I'm just kind of like I'm trying to gather like information on like who my audience will be i i actually kind of want to like do a poll and like start like emailing people about like where do you hang out online what do you what do you take in how do you decide if a movie is something that you're willing to watch or not like the very specific people that have like been like oh my god i love your movie like so it's it's really kind of like figuring out exactly like who those people are but i mean god self-distribution i mean you know i'm looking at things like different aggregates like like i'm looking at like quiver and stuff like that but i mean i am like at the beginning with that stuff right now mm-hmm. yeah Amazon Prime they just made a really big push to make it even easier for yeah. you to su- submit your own movies to it mm-hmm. um so that seems like a no-brainer if you're going to self-distribute just to go put it on Prime, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, anything where, like, people's cards are already entered in um, to the system or, like, yeah. you know, I, I don't want it on, like, JuneFallingDown.com, like, where people go to our website to, like, watch our movie or go to, like... <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Or, like, go to, like, like my Vimeo or something. Like, no, I want it to be on, like, iTunes and Amazon. I mean, I want it to be, like, a yeah. no-brainer. If they're like, that's the kind of movie I like, maybe it'll feel good. Oh, there's the trailer. Okay, sure, I'll watch this for, like, yeah. you know, small and maybe amount the, of money. And that, maybe that's, like, where, you know what I was talking about? Like, oh, having the cloud of, you know, I got distribution on my movie. Maybe having it on iTunes, Hulu... Amazon Prime, maybe that's enough, you know, where well, that makes it yeah. valid, you know? Yeah, and well, then you get an to keep audience. All the money. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking. That's exactly what I'm thinking about keeping all the money and like sending checks to our actors and, you know, and possibly putting money into the next movie. Um, well, let's not get ahead so of ourselves. Like, I think it's uh, going to be hard for you to make your money back on $11,000. <laughs> <laughs> like if you if you do the math on it, especially as something like Amazon Prime, like what what did we figure out, Ulrich? You get like eight cents a view for. Oh, yeah. it's not Prime. much. Yeah, but yeah. you look at that guy who did um uh you know the Sangria documentary, and I mean I know the Sriracha, thing. Sriracha, whatever. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Sriracha documentary. <laughs> My apologies. Yeah, the Sriracha has a built-in audience, and yeah, people but, see Sriracha and they go, "Oh, I want to see a documentary yeah, about Sriracha." But, but Rebecca has to convince people to watch her 
tiny little indie with no name actors in it about like a kind of a little bit of a depressing subject. But but, but her her head's already in the right space. She's already like thinking, asking the right questions, you know, and if she does publicity on her own and actually markets it, um, you know, she'll find her audience. Um, yeah, yeah, and then I'm also I'm also like, you know, I'm kind of weighing like, do we hire a publicist for however many months leading up to and during our release online? Yeah. Or like does yeah. money go better in that direction? Like it's it's a really funny time right now where, you know, I honestly I do think that there's a lot of legitimacy for like a general audience to see your movie up on Amazon or iTunes. I mean, Netflix is nice, but Netflix is at the end of the the line for that stuff. But, like, literally, that's what I get asked all the time is, like, is your movie on on Amazon or is it on, you know, it's always Netflix, but, like, you know, (laughs) iTunes. It's like, it's like, has it joined the real movies? Um, (laughs) You know? (laughs) Well, I would recommend that by the time this podcast goes live, you should have your film somewhere where people that anyone listening to this can go I can't and do buy that. It. <laughs> because we're going to festivals still. It shouldn't yeah. matter. It shouldn't matter, It shouldn't right? matter. But it, but, it, but it does matter. Uh-huh. It does. It totally <laughs> matters. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, you can't have your film online when it's uh, when it's going to festivals or, like, yeah, that kind of thing. It's it's against the rules, but... Um, really? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, not all festivals, but a lot of them. The ones yeah. that you're in. Okay, well, my next piece of advice is you need to figure out a way to get 150 pe- 150,000 people to watch your film. So like that's <laughs> you just have to figure that part out and just to have that's that it. number in your head and like if you can get 150,000 people to watch it for 2 bucks, you're going to be like rolling in money, but 150,000 <laughs> people at like 8 cents of you on like Amazon know, Prime right? will still get your money back. But I think if you can just go into your distribution plan thinking of 150,000 people, I think that's kind of like the goal you should be going after. Yeah, that's true. And and also, I mean, like the out of that 11,000, like I mean 8,500 was Indiegogo. So like mm. Mm. <laughs> my amazing. own money was not that much. <laughs> Yeah, nice. There you go. <laughs> so, Amazing. but like, I mean, totally. Yeah, it's like, um, it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, like, I'll, I'll tell you guys how it goes. Like, uh, whatever I end up doing, because even if, even if you do get like traditional distribution, you really do have to be doing your own marketing. Yeah, and that is well, oh, exactly. That is, yeah, you're yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have to push your own film because yeah. the traditional distributors the are not going to be putting money into marketing unless the film has a huge box office um, potential, yeah. and not yeah. not a lot of movies do. Yeah, yeah, it's true, especially these little quiet movies, you know, yeah. and most people watch those movies at home anyway, like, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, like, uh, maybe like a Sunday afternoon, like, that's a nice time for like a little quiet, like, I don't know, Nicole Holofcener Center movie, um, which is kind of the direction I want to go in, um, but like, yeah, like, this kind of movie is, is nice for like, at home VOD and... Just gotta find the people that are like, you know. I'm like, I'm like looking at like the elements of my movie. I'm like, okay, sensitive people, beer drinking, <laughs> cute dogs, beautiful scenery. You know, it's like, right. it's it's like it's funny though. Like I I I've noticed at film festivals, it's like there are a lot of like I don't know why this is, but like guys in their thirties, 
like mm-hmm. really like this movie so i mean a certain at certain like percentage it's like wow those guys really like this movie and i don't know what it is about them but i'm gonna be like emailing them be like what <laughs> where do you hang out online you know and then like and then like older women and like their 50s like it's Hmm. it's really interesting this podcast is going to go live on monday so when when's the next viewing that people can see like where is it where is it playing which film festival how can people watch it i was like i should know the date i don't know if i know the date yet um (laughs) uh it's playing at uh vero beach film it's like vera beach wine and film festival um Mm. in florida they just someone from that festival saw it at sonoma and reached out and was like hey i loved your movie we really want to show it in florida i was like awesome um but we've kind of slowed down with festival submissions i don't think we have like we're going to try to do a few more maybe in the fall um but yeah it's um right now it's kind of we're powering our way into thinking about distribution, but definitely okay. like by the end of 2017, we want to have it up online. Um, and that's where the where can people go to follow you or the movie so they can learn about the release? Yeah, um, so our website's junefallingdown.com. On social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's just June Falling Down. And then I'm uh, at Beckaroo Weaver on um, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Yes. Awesome. And th- and there's a trailer mm-hmm. for the movie, I hope. Yeah, trailer is on is uh junefallingdown.com. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, I'm bummed Sweet. that a lot of people aren't going to be able to watch this movie <laughs> after this interview. I, I, I'll have to I share this that... interview a ton like when it comes out online too. <laughs> yeah. Well, when it comes out, we'll tweet it out, we'll share it. So, just oh, let us you. know. Um, yeah. In the meantime, everyone, I guess you'll just have to let it live in your imagination and just know <laughs> that when it does come out, you should definitely check it out it's cool yeah and we want to make two we want to make like a short film or two that like has to do with the movie actually so keep an eye out for that we're just going to put those up online maybe just one. Oh, nice two. yeah just like before the release see that's all part of our scheming right now <laughs> that's cool <laughs> I like it so you'll see some free short films or at least one before then yeah awesome Cool. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Oh, thank you guys. (laughs) It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really great episode for everybody because it just it just really goes to show like what you can do if you put your mind to it and uh, you know you just just do it and you're not you don't worry about like oh I need the right actor I need the right money I need the right blah 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 if you're just like no I'm going to do this you can do it. And and yeah. it can be great. And, you know, so, yeah, I don't know. Congratulations. And thanks for oh, sharing your thank story. You. Yeah, I would just say, like, I would just say, like, know, know your resources. Know what's, like, good around you. I don't know. Use that. Use that. Amplify that. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Know your yeah. resources. That's yeah. that's really that's really good advice. I mean, mm-hmm. and, 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 and not and don't waste them, you know. Yeah. Like, make sure you use them properly. Yep. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I think I'm going to take us out. We've kept you for far too long. Um, That's fine. <laughs> thanks for coming out on the podcast, Rebecca. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And please do check out Rebecca's stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's really cool. I haven't watched your short films yet that are out in the world. Um, I don't but, like uh, them. Don't watch them. You don't like them? 
Okay. I'm going to watch them anyways, but I'm sure if you guys are hungry to see what Rebecca can, can do, watch those short films despite what she says. Um, and, uh, I don't think they're online, yeah. actually. I hope. God. <laughs> You'll see another one later, though. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, Liz, if Rebecca was on the show today, what is the one question you'd ask her? I know Rebecca, by the way. I really like her. She's Amazing. like a colleague, and I, I, I know a little bit about the story of her first feature. I know that she does a lot of writing now. Sorry, I'm just trying to vamp my way <laughs> to creating a question for this. I would want to ask a question that's core, that's a central part of what you're talking about. I would say, how much more would she want to expand if she made another feature, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the obvious question is like, is she happy with the two-person crew? Is she happy with the duration of how long things took and, and the process? Or would she want to expand? So I'd be curious if she could audit her process from several years ago at this point. What about you? Yeah, I, I would probably ask her a similar question, but a little different, like about, you know, it, it's been you know, like over five years since her movies come out, you know, since we had this conversation. So like, how does she feel about it five years later? And especially with the experience she's had writing and, and, and like, you know, living since then, like, would she do it again the same? Or like, would she do anything differently with a project? Like, how does she feel about her first feature now that it's 2023 and it's been out in the world for, for like five years? Like, what what is that experience like for her? Because I, I want to know the answer to that question for me in five years from now when the alternate yeah. is, you know, been out for that much time. I'd love to know, like, how I feel about it. So I'm, I'm just really curious about, like, her her thoughts and her reflection on that project. Yeah. Okay, Liz, here we go. It is time for the You're the Expert of the Week. So this is a whole nother thing that we do on the show. Very similar to the game, but completely different. It's another Eric Tom's creation. Thank you, Eric. But basically, Eric will just pose a question to Liz and I, and he'll give us time to think about it. So this is not like, a you know, on the spot, whatever. Basically, something that he thinks that we should know the answer to, that we should be experts on at this point in our careers, like things that we can give definitive answers on. So this week's question is, how do you gain fans and followers, not on social media through the internets, but rather in real life? Liz, what do you think about this? This question made me feel so sad because I was just like, I don't know. Like, I don't really have like I have friends, but I have more friends on the Internet than like in real life. You know what I mean? And I don't really go out anymore. Like, I don't go places. I can't drink. Whatever. This isn't therapy. But I do just want to acknowledge that. <laughs> but like, it is I, it? <laughs> I think it, it is therapy. therapy. <laughs> Sometimes it's therapy for me at the very least. Is that. I built, and I've talked about this on the show before, but I've built a profession where I'm constantly networking and building relationships. I mean, I work for the Film Collaborative as the distribution consultant. So every single intake form, they get a lot of intake forms from filmmakers who want to work with them. I see it. I'm aware of what films are being made, what films need support. I'm looking at names every day from filmmakers, from film teams. As a consultant in sales, I'm not just talking with the producer. I'm talking with the producer, the director, their whole team, acquisitions, staff members, sales teams. Like I'm talking with a lot of people in the industry. And I wouldn't say that they are followers of fans of mine, but I'm choosing to twist this question into like, how do you meet more people and how do you network in real life? Because I don't think you have followers in real life. I don't think you have fans in real life. Those are just relationships. Those are just friends. Those are just colleagues. And so I've built 
networking, a massive amount of networking to my job. And then I do a lot of public speaking, at least in virtual spaces where I'm talking to filmmakers. And so I would say if there's any kind of world where there is this like follower fan experience, which I really feel very gross about talking about, I would get to know people in that capacity first as an expert, quote unquote, and then we would become peers after that. Yeah. And then this is all done digitally online. This is like, yeah, not I don't in, leave the house. Right. Which, which I think is like a really good point to this is because I feel like inherently fans, followers, whatever the fuck you want to say, like it's an, it's a naturally a digital experience. You know, it's yeah, not so. a, ha- a one-on-one or not always a one-on-one. It's not often, let's see, let me rephrase. It's not often a one-on-one experience, right? But like, I do believe that there is some import to this, right? Like, the, like to have the feet on the ground to like be interacting with people who experience your, your project or your projects or whatever. Like, I think that does add to the whole thing, but like inevitably in no way this is hyperbole. They will be social media, digital fans, followers. Like if you meet somebody in real life, that is how they're going to experience you. Like they're going to experience you through technology and through the way that we experience media, which is through technology. So like, you're not going to have people who are, are solely fans, followers that are only real life experiences. Like it's going to become a digital experience, but like, I think the the thing that's important about this question is that there is a lot of added value if you add a physical component to it, right? Like I I know you're but you're like living proof that this is untrue. Like you cuz you have so many fans and followers and people who admire you and your work and like I, you don't even know how many times like I'll be like, "Oh yeah, my co-host Liz Manchel." And they'll be, "Oh yeah, I love Liz." "Oh yeah, Aww. I know Liz." Oh yeah, Liz is a great, she did this thing for me. Like, cause you're constantly doing favors for people, which is like what I'm always doing too. And I feel like that is like something that you didn't like specifically state in your answer, but is a huge part of like, you know, making impact is like helping people out, like being a member of the community where you're willing to like give your time to someone else, like with no expectation of anything being returned. And I think that is like one of the key components of like, you know, growing a, a network of people of, of a community who are like going to respond to your work because they're excited to see what you do next because they're invested in you because you invested some time of your own in them. Right. Yes. And like, and, I love and, that. and that's the unnasty way to say networking, right? Because you're actually helping somebody else as their help as, and they may or may not help you, but it's like, you're actually com- contributing positively to like the world of filmmaking. So it's the term fans and followers. I don't like it's right. Like, it's like nomenclature that we use for the online world. And somehow it feels less icky when you're on Twitter and you're like followers. Right. It's right. it's written there. But if you're like, I, I have I have some friends who talk about their fans and it just feels so gross. And they don't know that like it's yucky to hear someone talk about their fans. Right. Yeah. Like we are peers. We are colleagues. But I, I love what you're saying. Like, if it, it is making me feel bad because this wonderful filmmaker <laughs> who shall remain nameless, I basically was like, I can't help you just yesterday. And they were so kind to me. But I love what you're saying. Like, genuinely, you and I do like to help. We do like to help. 
we yeah. do like to support. But I think like to answer the question a little bit more directly, like the in the the in real life part of it is like just like going to events, going to film festivals, being there when your movie is being played someplace in in, in at an event. Like showing up to represent your movie, I think is like is a is the way to do this, right? Like is the way that you make connections with people, and it's really the connection that is going to allow them to like you know be a part of your community, which I think is a much better way of saying fans or followers. Like being part of our our, our film communities. Like I'm a part of a lot of people's film communities because I'm ex- interested to see what this person I know or this person I met or this person who was on the show or whatever, like to see what they do next. Because like, like I liked what I've seen from them before. Or maybe I haven't even seen their work yet, but I just had a really great conversation with them. But it's like, that is how, you know, this, this goes. But I think like inevitably it's going to become an online experience. Right. And like, I think. Yes. You know, you you basically will have like a lot more ability to like do this on a bigger scale if you focus your energy online. But like, I think being in real life when you can is is a beautiful thing. Like, just like I, I was when we went to Austin Film Festival, that was like a really great experience to like connect with people one on one. You know, for what it's worth, I'm really trying. Like, I really <laughs> like that is a goal of mine is to create a little bit more of an independent lifestyle for myself which I have not experienced for the past four years. I think I really kind of slunk into this like hermit status. I mean, the pandemic, the pandemic really reinforced a lot of things for introverts, I would say. Like it made us really feel safe to be introverts. Oh, yeah. And uh, it almost like validated our some unhealthy tendencies that introverts have. And so I'm I'm only now trying to break out of that. I completely agree. I think being in a room with someone is different than being on a Zoom with someone. Right. Right. It's, but they're, it's but just they're a both good. World. They're both good. As, if, both as good. long as you're connecting with people in the way that you feel comfortable, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I want to add just to, to your icky comment. Like, I, I know you watch the Oscars. I love the Oscars. Yes. I cried like 15 times. Yes. The one, I love the Daniels, by the way. I just want to preface this by saying I think they're great. I love most of their speeches. I thought they were wonderful. One thing that one of the Daniels said, you know, I think it's Daniel Kwan is his last name, maybe. I hope I'm getting that right. No, it is. It's Daniel Kwan. He was trying to say this really beautiful, amazing thing, which which was a beautiful, amazing thing at the core, where he was like, you know, all the crew, everyone's hard work unlocks this magical story that that came partly from me, but it's like all the people working on it, which unlocks it. But then he used it as my genius, is like the word he said, and that was like so oh, no. icky that oh, he said no. that. And I know he didn't mean it. I know that's not yeah. what he meant. But it, he just, it was like two words need to be switched. It would be like the genius of the film or yeah. this story or whatever. Like, and I know what he meant. I know that he meant it well, but he, but I was wondering if like anyone else caught that or felt rubbed, rubbed them the wrong way. Cause me and my friends, we were texting afterwards and we were like, yeah, that was not a good look. I didn't catch that, but. <laughs> Like that is, if people listen to this show, they they know that sometimes different guests will rub me the wrong way. I'm 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 a little right. coded about it, but I do kind of. You and I will express right <laughs> whatever, and that is mo. Like I would say, ninety nine percent of the time when I feel like we're not connecting with the guests, it's when they're not humble right. or when they're really presumptuous right. or cocky. And yeah. It is just like the biggest turnoff, and 
I didn't notice that about Daniel Kwan, but like, I totally get that. If I heard that the way you heard that, I would be like, wow, okay, you need to step back a tiny bit. But tiny bit. it's so funny because he talks so much and he talks so much more than the other Daniel, right? Like, he I just know. like, and like, I feel like that he was like, it was in and out, right? And like, he, like clearly, like they may have prepared, but they didn't prepare that much. That was another, my friend. Isaac, who's on the show many times, yes. he big green, yeah, yeah, he was like, yeah, like, dude, like, I don't believe in going to any kind of war show, whether you're like, you know, doing or like any kind of speaking engagement where you're speaking at the Rotary Club or you're speaking at the Oscars, come with a script, come with with a speech, yes. you know, be ready, like, have practice it in the mirror, like that is yes. your duty, and they're like, clearly, these guys, like, if they did, they, it all went out the window when they got on stage. But if you're going to do it that way, like, I love the way that it's Shinehart. Is that how you say his last name? Daniel? Shinehart. Yeah. I yeah. Think so. He like kept it short and sweet. He's like, this is for the mommies of the world. It was like beautiful. It was like he, he didn't speak very much. And what he said was great. And like, I feel like Daniel Kwan <laughs> kind of like just went a little hard. But his message overall was really beautiful. And I know what he meant. But I just thought like that one sentence, like I like wish that could be deleted. And then like, you know, his, his producer also said something wrong too, which which I know yes. he didn't mean as profit well. Profit over people. And I was like, I turned a shot. I was like, did he just, did he just. He meant people over profit, but he said it yeah. backwards. And it's like, yeah. yeah, you know, whatever. Like, I think we all got it that like he meant it that way. But it's like, you know, but I, I again, Public speaking is hard in general, but like, man, doing it at the Oscars in front of every celebrity in, in the known universe has got to be the hardest. <laughs> it's to humble do. to be prepared. It's not yeah. presumptuous to think you're going to win because you will give right. everyone who deserves to be thanked along with you their due. Right. right. So it's like, be, I'm with you. I'm with you, Isaac. If you're listening, I live. Yeah. I believe. I believe. Yeah, it, was, it was so funny because Jamie Lee Curtis like delivered the quintessential Hollywood speech where she thanked every single person. She like had a little nice thing, a little message behind it too. But like she did it like the old school Hollywood way, which like, it's fine. Like I, I appreciate that. But like, I like that the Daniels like didn't feel the need to thank a 24 all the time, you know, like they, nice. like they, maybe they should have, but like, I'm glad that they like kept it like more on the emotional side, you know, or the editor who was like, this is my second movie. Guys, this is weird. <laughs> and then just like walked off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But overall, all in all, I thought it was a good Oscars. I was really, really happy for everything, everywhere, every, everything, everywhere, all at once. Because that, that movie is amazing. Just such an okay. amazing movie. And for them to get that kind of recognition was was great. Anyways, we got to end this. Yeah. Take us out, Liz. All of you can always send us a question, comment, or suggestion to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. If you like the show, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at MMIH Podcast, YouTube at Making Movies is Hard Podcast. Thanks to our bonus editor, bonus episode editor, Jeff Rymoot for doing the editing. Thanks to our producer, Eric Toms, for being awesome. Thanks to all of you for listening and talk to y'all next week. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.